Welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers, hosted by Jenna Green and Miranda O. Oh. They will be speaking to authors of many different genres to explore themes around writing and storytelling. Join them for engaging and intellectually stimulating conversation with artists from all corners of the world. Welcome to Quill and Ink. My name's Jenna Green, a YA fantasy author, author of the Imagine series and the dystopian thriller Reborn. With me is our wonderful co-host, Miranda O. Oh. She writes the Chin Up Tits Out Chick Lit series, and she is loving to introduce our guest today. You're going to catch on to that in a second. Hi, Miranda. <laughs> hello, hello. So today we are featuring a trio of amazing romance authors, all part of the Harlequin Stellar tribe. Now, these ladies' work ranges from holiday romance to para paranormal romance and <laughs> everything in between. Paranormal is a mouthful when you're trying to sound cool. Um, so I didn't sound cool very, 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 very much there. Um, but I'm very excited to introduce our three guests. So uh, first up is Melinda Curtis. She is an award-winning um, USA Today bestseller who's had her book Dandelion Wishes turned into a movie. Holy Moses, that's like a dream of mine come true. She has over 50 books and 25 novellas. And some of her series include the Sunshine Valley series, the Harmony Valley series, and the Blackwell series. So welcome, Melinda. And next up, Anna J. Stewart. She's also a USA Today bestselling author. She is an RWA Golden Heart nominee with her novel Recipe for Redemption was made into a movie for Up TV. So again, like double, <laughs> double my, my dream come true here. She has over 40 novels and 10 novellas. Her series include the Butterfly Harbor series and the Honor Bond series. And last, but definitely not least, Miss <laughs> Carrie Lynn Webb. She completes this amazing trio of romance authors, is another best-selling author, and her series include the City City by the Bay stories and the Blackwell Brothers series and Christmas Town stories, which is my favorite, favorite season is Christmas season. It's pretty much starting right now up in Manitoba, like it's frosty, so therefore it's immediately Christmas season. Who cares about Halloween? I don't. I want Christmas to be now. So welcome, ladies. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. So we're going to introduce, or sorry, now that we've introduced everybody, I really want to dive into the whole psyche of the romance as a genre. So let's go one by one is, and tell us, or tell our listeners and our watchers, when and how you fell in love with writing romance as a genre. So who wants to start? I can. I'll start. Perfect. <laughs> I've been a long time reader of, of romance since, you know, high school, I guess. I picked up my first one on an airplane, read it and devoured it and was like, oh, I'm in love with these love stories. Kept going, um, lived in Hawaii for, I grew up over there and then we had moved back and this was in the time of all the bookstores when you still had to go to the bookstore before Amazon and you had to get a book. And I literally read, because we lived on Maui, I literally read every romance this one bookstore offered. <laughs> and I went home and was like, I can't find anything I want to read. And so I started writing. And about, I finished that manuscript that has never seen the light of day. And I handed it to my husband and I said, 
should I write or should I take up acting? And he was like, oh my God, you finished? Like, this is a book? And I was like, yep. And he said, you should keep going. And that was, <laughs> that's like my journey. And then I hooked up with Ann and Melinda, thank God. And um, <laughs> kind of like eased into, because before it was just writing, you know, writing with kids, writing, you know, while they're napping, writing. And then once met Anna and Melinda in Sacramento, then it became serious serious writing where you started really like buckling down and talking about plot and all those good things to actually, you know, get published. Right. So that's my journey. It's a whole that's romance beautiful. story in one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I'll go. I'll go. So uh, I read in my house, my mom bought all kinds of books, you know, science fiction, um, mystery, cozies, romance. So grew up just reading lots of stuff. And then uh, at one time, and anyone who is a reader knows you have your to be read pile, right? <laughs> so I went through yep. like three fails, you know, do not finish DNF and was like, oh my gosh, I should, I should be able to do this. And the next book I read was by an author who's since retired, Susan Crosby. And it was lovely. She wrote these sexy, emotional books that you would, you know, be like, oh, too hot. And then, oh, all these tears. And, uh, and when I went back and kind of looked at the front of the book, she had, it was back in the day where you had a P.O. box. Authors had P.O. boxes. And so I wrote to her and I said, hey, what does like your average working mom, how does your average working mom get into romance? And she, it, and it happened to be, she lived like 45 minutes away from me. And she said, hey, come to this writer's meeting and this is how you do it. So, Aww. you know, like Carrie was saying, community, yeah. she pulled me into the community. Amazing. That's a fantastic story. I like that. You never know when you reach out to somebody what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Beautiful. And how about you, Anna? So I had... Um, a little bit similar, quite a bit different. I um, I was a re I came out of the womb reading, and I was very lucky. I, I had a mom who never said no to a book. I mean, if we went shopping and there was a bookstore, I was in the bookstore. I mean, I don't remember a time I wasn't in a bookstore. And uh, I grew up in the '70s. That was before the YA explosion. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I outgrew kids' books like by seven and. I picked up a Stephen King. I picked up Carrie when I was eight. What? And, yeah, and did not look back. I also went to Catholic school, so the Stephen King thing was a real points in my favor kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, and then in high school, I had burned through all of Stephen King's and I discovered Dean Koontz and somebody gave me a romance novel in high school. And a couple of weeks after that, a bunch of us were, we started writing fan fiction before it was fan fiction. We would write these little mini romances featuring ourselves and our favorite rock stars. Ooh, and no one not going to do it myself and tell you who it was. <laughs> but um, I still have those stories, actually. And everybody else outgrew it, and I did not. I'm like, this is all I want to do. This is all I did. You can look at my report cards and know that school took a back seat. Right, I, right. I was the kid sitting in the back of the room with a romance novel in her algebra book. So I can't add worth crap. <laughs> but I, I have read so many books and I still, you know, I still attribute it to Stephen King, 
Nora Roberts, Dean Koontz, mm -hmm. those are the three reasons um, I wanted to be a writer. And then thanks to my mother, I joined a national writing organization, found the local organization, and Melinda doesn't know this, but she was one of the first people I ever met at the <laughs> meeting and kind of the rest is history and she stuck with me. So that's my journey. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. You all have such very different stories about how y'all fell into love with romance, but y'all, you are all connected, which is fantastic. And it also leads you to being on our podcast today. So again, we're very grateful to have you. Now let's turn the gears a little bit. You guys do produce a lot of content um, and you guys dive head first into your writing. So what do you do in your non-writing time? So what are, what, if you were to choose this one thing that would say, this is who I am when I am not a romance writer, what would it be? Uh, Carrie, let's start with you and we'll just go continue to go in the same order. What would it be? Um, I have two teenage daughters and one of them is on the, they're both on the swim team. And so that sort of takes up a lot of time. Oh, yeah. And um, if I'm not writing, well, actually, it's not even true. Because if I'm walking the dog, if I'm spending time with the dog, I'm still thinking about writing. Writing, you know, is one of those things that's in your head all the yeah. time. And yeah. even my girls will be like, are you listening to me? And I'm like, no. So if you can, <laughs> I will write down what, and I've done this since they were little. It's not, you know, I, I, it's true. I, when they were little, I would say, I need five minutes and I will give you my full attention. But otherwise I'm not listening. And they're like, do you know you do that a lot? I'm like, sorry. <laughs> so hey, honesty is key. So is communication. You're like, just give me five <laughs> minutes. It teaches them patience and boundaries, right? If you have that idea in your head, if you don't get it down, it's gone. Like it's gone, gone. And I do find that dogs, on a side note, I'm a, I'm a dog lover as well. And my dog is a huge source of therapy and calming and a source of creativity. So if I am walking my dog or hanging out with my dog, I do find that my brain is swirling with all these fantastic ideas. And she, on the other hand, will allow me to do, do my thing and ignore her for five minutes and I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. And yourself, Melinda? Well, we are empty nesters now, and we just moved from California to Oregon into a fixer house. Ooh. So every day there's probably a new crew, or my husband is asking me to, hey, can you not work this morning? Can you paint these French doors? Can you do whatever? But today was one of those days, like, like all of us have, where... Um, we went to the DMV to try to get our licenses here. We've been waiting all summer for an appointment. And uh, I, I had some trouble passing, not the test, but verifying who I was. Because nope. apparently they didn't like, I had my passport, my driver's license from California, birth certificate, marriage certificate, two utility bills with my new address. And they looked at my marriage certificate and were like, this looks like it's been doctored. Like, <laughs> apparently I don't have a trustworthy face with a mask on. And then, and then uh, our, son's, our son's Jeep engine blew up, you know, and then my sister-in-law had a heart attack. So today was like one of those days where, you know, I have a job as a writer, but I did not get anything done whatsoever. Right. It was like right. one of those, whoa step back, do whatever. Right. But normally I like to putter around the garden, but that has not happened in a long time. 
<laughs> Sometimes we've got to phase in and out of those, you know, chaos or chaotic moments and focus on the family, focus on the homestead. And then before you know it, when spring comes around, maybe I don't know what the weather is and how cold it gets in Oregon. I know in California, you can garden all year long, but up here in Canada, you cannot unless it's in your house, which yeah, like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if it helps Melinda, I think you have an honest face. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'll write a note and you can give it to the DMV. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Sign Quill and Ink host. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's too funny. But like, what a way to say no. Like you have all of this and they pick your marriage certificate. I'm like, wouldn't you want to pick apart something that had my face on it? But Hey, who am I? I don't, I don't know anything. You know, I think it was because I actually sent a picture of it to Anna and Carrie this morning because I was so upset. It was, we got married in college. So it was back in the days of when they filled out your marriage certificate with a typewriter and they spelled oh. my husband's last name wrong oh. and then corrected it with autocorrect. But you could still see there was an R where, you know, where there shouldn't have been. And, and you know, they just, they couldn't believe it. These young people working at the DMV. They don't know what a typewriter is. That's why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. The stuff that we have to go through, right? For the most simplest things these days. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> and how about yourself, Miss Anna? Um, I'm boring. Uh, you know, I'm not Highly married. Doubted. I don't have kids. I've got oh, yeah. cats and my mother. So, um, <laughs> I usually have errands. I usually set aside one day a week to have errands. But other than that, if I'm not writing, you'll usually find me glued in front of the television, watching the Food Network or mm -hmm. British Bake Off. Um, I went through a long period in the summer. It just ended a couple of weeks ago where I was baking like crazy, which I also started Weight Watchers in January and Weight Watchers and baking, not a good match. <laughs> Great combo. <laughs> so our freezer is full, ready to go for winter. Like should I send you my address? <laughs> you probably should at this point. <laughs> yeah, people are getting baked stuff this year. Right, um, this gifts. So uh, cooking and baking and that kind of thing, that's my decompression time. And, and I, I, I have actually worked out more plot points and story problems when I've been doing stuff in the kitchen than I have sometimes sitting at the computer. Right, right, totally. But, totally. Um, it's, it's great how your brain works that way, right? If you're yes. doing something with your hands, then sometimes it releases those brain blocks that we have in front of us when we're trying really hard to write. So exactly. um, now before we switch to your writing and, and, and your art, I really want to ask one, one more question and it will tie into this whole romance theme because you all have uh, families that you're close with in, in some sense, right? And like I said, you do produce a lot of content. So how do your families support and help you in your career? Like it, it, it takes a lot to be a partner or a part of a family where you have somebody that's consistently using their brain to create content and something out of nothing. Uh, my family is fantastic. <laughs> like I said, they've learned since they were little 
that I'm not listening to you and they go on their way and then they come back and I tell them to pause the story. But um, just today, my husband was helping me work through a plot point while we were walking, which I then emailed to Mel and said, what do you think of this? <laughs> Mel's getting all of our conversations. My daughter, my oldest daughter is a voracious reader and she will read and copy edit for me and pull out things she doesn't like. Um, but she is a voracious reader of what was she reading recently? Like the mafia romances and that kind of stuff. And they're a little bit grittier than what the heartwarming is. So then she'll come in and she'll be like, uh, could, could we, can we kill someone or can we? And I'm like, no, not in this line. We can't do that. Anna can do that in suspense. You know, we can't. Right. she's like, well, oh, this is boring then. <laughs> I just don't want anything to do with it. I'm like, great. And my youngest she one. sounds like my husband. Every time I'm stuck, pull yeah, some like, up. Yeah, that's what, and that's their answer. That's yeah. my, in my younger one, that'll be her thing. Well, have him get stuck in the elevator, run him over with a Zamboni. Like, do you know, I'm like, this is heartwarming, but you can send all your ideas to Anna. She'll take all of them and figure out how to use them. So yeah, but my family, they they're, they're really, they've been really great. And then they will cook and do their things on their own when I'm stuck in my office on the, I have a habit of the last few weeks it's a bad habit and we're trying to break this, but the last like two weeks before the book is due, I'm in my office pretty much constantly. And um, then, you know, the grocery store doesn't get, now they drive, they can go to the grocery store and get their own. Brilliant. Like that Brilliant. was like a lifesaver of like per, way big proportions. Cause when they were little, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, mine's four. Right. Four, yes, oh, you're yeah. going to ways to go. But when <laughs> 16 comes, You'll be like, people are like, oh gosh, it's gonna be so scary when they drive. I'm like, no. It's a like, win. Yeah. I get my life back. I'm no longer a chauffeur. <laughs> yep. yep. So when you, you've got a few more years, Jenna, but when you get there, it is like, and then you realize not only they're driving, you can ask them to get things for you. I'm like, right. oh, this is so great. <laughs> right? You can do the weekly grocery shopping. Yes. Here's a couple extra yeah. bucks. Buy yourself something that you want. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. So yeah, so that's my family that's situation. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my husband and, and uh, one of my sons are really good at bouncing off plot points. Uh, my son is really good about saying, oh, you know, it'd be really cool if this happened, um, which, which ended up putting a old, an old Western myth into my Mountain Monroe series about a stagecoach robber. Um, so they were instrumental in that and solving the problem about the hidden stagecoach gold that would later be found, like all these, these little things. Uh, but my husband has never read a book, but he will hand sell books when we go to author events. I mean, <laughs> he's very supportive that way. And my daughter-in-law does a lot of the artwork and some of the promotional stuff that I have. So oh, cool. yeah, that's really cool. That's so good. yeah. They're all, they're that. all really supportive. And their own, like everybody kind of has their own piece of the puzzle and, send, and helps out make the pie, right? Yeah. That is awesome. Thanks for sharing. So, huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my mom pretty much leaves me alone, which is pretty much all I need. Right. Um, she's also very tolerant as far as like if we're watching something and usually that's where a lot of my ideas for stories come from is when I'm watching a TV show and usually when it's when the show's gone off the rails and I'm like okay that is so stupid this is how <laughs> I'm this 
And that's how I usually end up with an idea for a story. So she's really good. Uh, and she's very patient when I'm hitting the pause button and I'm running my notes or I'm talking it out. And she has finally stopped asking me, what did you say? Because she can't hear. <laughs> um, uh, so, but I will say, and, and I think we're three really fortunate authors in that we've never had to deal with, with family and close people saying you're writing what mm -hmm. or um when are you gonna write this is my favorite question that if anybody asks me they will get stomped is when are you gonna write a real book um that happens a lot with romance authors and we've mm -hmm. heard from a lot of you know fellow authors who have to deal with stuff sometimes in their own house right so i will forever be grateful that i have never ever had any of my friends any of my family ever say anything other than when is your next book coming out uh -huh. and that to me is like the greatest support anybody can ever give a writer yep. um fyi we write real books romances are real books we're the biggest money maker in the industry um and, and you're in every other genre like they're the <laughs> best-selling ya's maybe right. are fantasy but there's romance in it yeah. or there's romance in everything. in everything you know there's a reason peter jackson expanded the the um sub stories in the lord yep. of the rings is yep. because he understood romance is an appealing element mm -hmm. in most stories of course and whether or not people get that on a on a higher level you can guarantee most of the most of the most successful film in parts have had romance in them and that's integral to mm -hmm. make it the success that they are. Mm -hmm. So um, I get a little bit on my high horse when people try to kick the romance genre. You know what, we're here, we're not going anywhere. We're staying right where we are, which is at the top of the heap. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like if, if I could pull it off, I'd do them. <laughs> I can't pull it off, but I feel like I could try. My body goes against the, the snap and zed. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right, like, think about a story that doesn't have a tad bit of romance in it, right? And whether it's a movie or a screenplay or a novel, like, romance is there for a reason and it draws people in and it makes something relatable, right? And and it is, it's the top of, of the pile for a reason. So that's fantastic. I'm so happy you all shared with us about your families and how they're supportive. I just actually answered a, an interview question for myself recently. It was, what is one of the things that has, has helped you? And I said, my family support. Like I, we wouldn't, Jenna and I probably wouldn't be here and continuing to write and continuing to do our podcast if it didn't come or if the support didn't come from our families, you know, they may not watch every episode and that's totally okay, but they are there to support us and they are there to support the next book launch and, you know, family support and what happens in your home is too, super, super important. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's never read a book either. Like he was on like, a special gifted school all his life and failed English, right? But he's babysitting right now, so. <laughs> yeah. We got him. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, good. So I know that Miranda is just like chomping at the bit to hear the answer to my next question because we were texting earlier, but <laughs> two out of the three of you, and honestly, give it six months and it'll be three out of the three of you, have had your books turned into a movie. And we want to know... <laughs> Okay, if we're authors, we have dreams. 
Um, but just that idea of adapting, like we were talking earlier to um, a, an author that took a book and turned it into a play and then now is turning it into like a online stream play. And what's it like to see your book adapted? Yeah. What And what surprised you? <laughs> and we really Bella, want to know. Go first? <laughs> um, sure, I'll go first. Uh, if I, you know, Anna and I, both our books that were turned into movies were from Harlequin and we had nothing to do with them being sold. So um, it was really cool. Although um, when I read the first script of mine, I didn't understand the treatment. Like it was a totally different book. And I was asked to give feedback and I said, you know, it's really hard as I understand it to translate from book to script. But I, um, I, I said, here's why, you know, it was the hero was unheroic and um, there was, it was just really not its best. Um, so luckily they got a new screenwriter and they redid the script. Um, so it was really great. We were out, my husband and I went out to um, Toronto to watch filming for two days. And um, there was, it, there was the, the resolution of the black moment. So the happily ever after moment where they're the hero and heroine are talking to each other. And I leaned over and whispered to my husband, we were in the, the video tent, whatever, I forget what it's called. And uh, I said, those are my words. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of uh the first the first moment where i was like oh wow because there were some other scenes where i was like yeah that didn't happen and they have in these tv movies they do um the falling in love montage because they're only 90 minutes mm -hmm. so yeah. they have to they have to shorten the character growth and get them together and so um we watched them film the montage and the director just kept yelling look like you're falling in love <laughs> do something cute do something cute and I'm like oh my gosh this is they're totally you know just running away with it but it was it was adorable and it was my movie was a little bit different because it was um maybe a little more angsty a little more not it was not a hallmark movie let's say that right I guess the pacing would have to be a lot different Mm -hmm. oh, right because yeah. you're not going chapter by chapter yeah yeah exactly yeah. it would be very different but it would probably make me cry like the first the first time I heard an actor or actress speak an actual quote verbatim from the book and like that that way I was like oh my god that came from my brain and my heart <laughs> like yes <laughs> yeah yeah that's cool that's a very cool story yeah so um <laughs> Melinda got word of hers, I want to say, it was like probably about six months before mine, maybe mm -hmm. four or five. I found out after they started filming that my book had been turned into a movie. I got an email nope. from somebody at Harlequin saying, oh, I'm so excited to tell you yeah. Recipe for Redemption has been chosen as a TV movie. And by the way, They've started filming and they want to fly you out there in two weeks to spend a couple of days on the set. And I no, was they didn't preview the script with you, did they? No, I got it that day. I got it, it was already done. And I like to tease Mel and say that they learned their lesson sending to her and that they now take that away from authors. Um, 
But um, I was getting ready to go to another writer's conference. In fact, I was going with Mel. And um, I remember one time I was even worrying about uh, flying into Canada because my passport expired in July and this was May. And you're not supposed to fly if your passport expires within six months or you're not supposed to use it, whatever. And I ended up on the phone with the airline telling them what was going on. And she's all, oh, honey, you're going to Canada. It's fine. So that was kind of how, how that started. But I had, I had that moment where I almost burst into tears when I heard the dialogue. What was great, and I was so happy on mine. I was, I was lucky I got a cameo in mine. So I am in my movie. Um, I'm the chubby one. They had fun finding me something in wardrobe. Let's just say that. Um, but uh, they kept so much of my dialogue. And dialogue is my favorite part of writing. So to see my words, like Mel said, to see your words being spoken on screen and knowing that they were deemed good enough to land into a script, that, that was, that was a really, really big dream come true. And like Mel said, we had nothing to do with it. This was luck, 99.9% luck. It's amazing what parts of the creative process our uh, authors are involved with and not like they say with books at least with teens and kids they often pick based on the cover i know oh, yeah. like they did, they've done stats on that yeah but the author very rarely has anything to do with the cover right right no it's just yeah. incredible like what parts the author is included in anyway it's just it's interesting Right. Yeah, I mean, I will say that um, uh, I had I have another series published by Forever Romance that uh, was reviewed by Publishers Weekly, and you know they're rom com, small town rom coms, and it was approached by a couple different producers about translating those into Hallmark movies, and I had to say, you know, oh, I'm sorry because my agent and I have actually pitched stuff to Hallmark before, and so we know like I. You know, the plot of this one is she's trying to figure out who her dead husband cheated with in this small town. And that goes against the Hallmark grain. So, you know, what I would say to authors is try as hard as you can to get reviews on big, big publications to get producer interest. Yeah, producer interest. For sure, for sure. Great advice. I've learned a lot. Maybe Miranda one day we will. Yeah. Crossing all things that I can cross. It would be so, like, literally a dream come true. I don't know how it would happen or what it would look like just to have it out there, I think would just be absolutely phenomenal. But, anyways, yeah, that's here nor there. <laughs> so, just before we go, we want to squeeze in just a little bit more time with you, ladies. What does it mean? And I know you've already kind of addressed this, but just to talk to our viewers and our listeners who are authors, what it means to have people that write the same genre with you as you, what it means to have that community. What, like, I, I can kind of get it, but. <laughs> you guys are like, my you guys are yeah. exactly like my fingers are right now and you are <laughs> finding each other's lives. Like how important is that community for you guys? It's everything. It's, it's absolutely 
for me as my as Melinda and I know it's it is everything without well especially without Melinda and Anna I would not be where I am and even it is and it is the ups and the downs and everything in between and it's people who understand exactly where you're at and can say I have been there it didn't look exactly like that but I have been there and this is what I did or you know it is that just being able to pick up the phone or the text you should see our text threads I keep all I have mine it's just it's just endless and to go just and it's just small things you know and it's it's a really tough business it can take a toll on you as a person you know when you get a negative review or your editor currently doesn't like your book or whatever all that stuff sort of kind of eats at you but when you have that support you can put it aside and stand up and go you know what i got this i got this and i like melinda and Anna all the time because i'm constantly going okay i'm gonna put my big girl panties on and i'm gonna you know face this but you know you need those few minutes where somebody says it's okay it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling and they go that's all right i've been there i did the same thing you know <laughs> whatever it is done it so, twice you know like. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> It's been, it's everything. I know it's everything to me. That was just um, the perfect way to phrase it. It is, yeah. yeah. So. Melinda and Anna are like, okay, we don't need to answer now. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't need to answer. <laughs> I know any uh, no, aspiring author out there, find your people. Find yeah. your people who you trust implicitly. It's very interesting. Anna and Melinda can tell me. It's really interesting. I was just thinking about this the other day and Melinda and I took a class where we learned about ourselves and our strengths and all this kind of stuff. And I just realized the other day that Anna and Melinda can tell me anything about my books. Like they literally can tell me, I cannot stand this character. They need to go away. And I take it and I go, okay. And yet anybody outside of that circle that comes at me, my feelings are hurt. I am upset. I do not like that. You want to make, you made me cry. But if my, if the same wording came from Melinda and Anna, I'd be like, oh, okay, let me see what I can do. Let me see how I can make you like this person. <laughs> but I, was like, I would tell any aspiring author, whether you're published or not, find people like that, that are your family that you can rely on. Very much so. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think um, we started out in a critique group of five or six or seven or eight, I don't know, it was kind of large and it just kind of dwindled down to us. Uh, so I think it's okay to kind of fish around for your people and kind of let things naturally take their course. And I think it's kind of funny that we have, you know, over the years been in a lot of the same collections together. Like we're, we're helping Ark Manor launch, you know, into romance. For the first time we're three of the four authors in a romance collection and we wrote three very different books carrie wrote a medical romance anna wrote kind of a light suspense and i wrote uh, you know comedy as i do with a talking dog so you know it's it's we write very differently and yet we kind of get each other right so just because someone writes in a different genre don't leave them out of your community nope miranda and i don't write the same genre nope right not not at all but we jive real well together yeah. like a lot like the oil vinegar that you want to dip your bread in beginning of supper yep 
Yeah, I think the, the, the one thing I'm going to add to that is as far as finding your tribe, and this has been very important to me, is you want to find people who are going to lift you up and not rip you down. Yes. And I know whatever success I have is because these girls put me on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. They always, even, even when the criticism's there and the, you know, and the critiquing and the, and the, and the let's dive into this and let's fix this. And like Carrie says, I don't like this character, get rid of that. She's absolutely right. I can take it from these two, but anybody else better just (laughs) shut up. Um, (laughs) But uh, other people who are, who are going to dig in at you when you know that they don't have your best interests at heart, those are the people you need to jettison. They don't belong in a group like that. You, you want people you can rise with, not somebody who's going to pull you down. And I think that's probably the most important bit of information I've learned. Fortunately, I have not had to experience somebody pulling me down like an anchor. I've seen it happen to other people and it's dragged them right out of the business. So um, find, find the people who are going to write left, who are going to lift you up. Definitely. And that's who you stick with. Well, you can't be a writer without critique and criticism. Nope. Well, you can't, but not a good one. I was but just going to say, sure. You the, can. the criticism <laughs> with a purpose. And that purpose, improvement, right? Versus just, and a lot of it sometimes is with a suggestion. Like, I don't like this, maybe try this. Versus that's dumb, peace out, right? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, just get rid of it, it's dumb. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) I think that goes to everything in life to, you know, surround yourself by people. And that goes, and it attests to your family and your support group, right? Not only each other and your writing group, but for your families as well, like surround yourself with people who you can rise with and you want them to succeed at what they're doing and they want you to succeed at what you're doing, no matter what, what aspect of life that is. So um, we have taken a lot of your time this evening, so we'll wrap it up. And if we can just take one more second and you can let us know where people can find you online on the socials, please and thank you. Uh, I'm at carrylynnweb.com. You can find me on Facebook and I'm on Twitter occasionally and learning Instagram right now. <laughs> and you can find, yeah, my books are up on Amazon and all the retailers. Beautiful. Gosh, ditto. Uh, MelindaCurtis.com. Uh, Melinda Curtis author or Mel Curtis author, I'm sometimes out there as. Uh, mostly on Facebook and Instagram. I'm trying, like Carrie, I'm trying to be better about Instagram. You know, it's hard to make those pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pictures and post them all the time. I feel like, I feel the pressure to have a pretty <laughs> thing out there. <laughs> I get you. I feel you can't, can only do so many selfies and you're like, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is what I'm eating tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me at uh, authorannastuart.com. That's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, not D, <laughs> as it's spelled on the screen right there. Um, I'm on Facebook at Author Anna J. Stewart. Um, I'm on Twitter. Don't follow me on Twitter. Nobody wants to follow me on Twitter. Um, uh, Twitter's not even letting me post right now, so I'm like, I, this is a good sign. I might get off of it altogether. <laughs> and I'm like, like the them, DMV I'm, doesn't believe you're you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's trickling down from Melinda. So thanks, Mel. Um, just as well. Uh, step away from Twitter. Um, and then I'm trying to get better at the Instagram 
thing too. I always it, I need to move it onto the front page of my phone instead of having it two pages back. That might help me remember that it's actually there. But and I will also say um, we each have newsletters that you can sign up for on our websites. And I believe all of us, uh, if you sign up, you get free reads. So um, it's a good way to test us out. And a lot of us do giveaways in our newsletters too. So. Or you could try us out in the new book, Thankfully in Love by Ark Manor. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Melinda. Very beautiful. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, ladies. We very much appreciate you joining us today and for all of your sharing today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Thanks for being here. And just a final thank you to our show sponsors, Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, Creative Edge Publicity, and of course, almost more important than anything else, is all our listeners and all our viewers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Quillening Podcast with your hosts, Jenna Green and Miranda O. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Copyright belongs to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air.